0: Hey, welcome to Educate for Life with Ryan Francis. Let's get right into it. I would love to get some clarity on for you, like what steps have you taken to get your life out of autopilot? Like you started to talk about a few of them, but maybe you could talk about some of them in some more detail, you know, or at least again, changing your habits from
1: yeah. yeah, more
0: worthy than being automatic, like things that are more valuable than just automatic.
1: Well, I think the real big eye-opener for me was my yoga practice. And it was the first time I'd ever done any yoga. It was something that I resisted because I thought, you know, I had all these assumptions about people who did yoga, what they looked like,
0: who they were. Like, I had all of these judgments. Oh God, I, I was so judgy. my friend Jenny so badly, but please continue. <laughs> so... So I, um,
1: I resisted it. Like I actually, I remember seeing this yoga studio that I I go to now and, and, and I thought to myself, God, I really should go. And I was thinking, no, I'm not, I'm not going, I don't feel comfortable. It's out of, it's out of my comfort zone. You know, I didn't want to like get out there too much, you know, all those, all those reptilian brain things like, Oh no, you don't need to do that. You're fine. You're fine in your little comfortable box. Um, but then after, you know, my diagnosis, I happened to be, you know, talking to my friend and she recommended this yoga place, the same yoga place that I was looking at. And I went there and I, I did it and I hated it. I hated every moment of it. I didn't enjoy it because I was mm-hmm. still feeling like the effects of my surgery and the mm-hmm. chemotherapy. And I, I didn't like it. I felt uncomfortable Your body was and that yeah. And for some reason I just stuck with it. Like I was like, there's something about this that shifts me. It feels different in a good way. Right. So I just kept going back and I kept going back and I kept going back. And then when I was healthy again, when I, when I was finished with all my treatments, I went back and I kept going back and I was going for a couple of years. And then I decided I was going to do yoga teacher training there. And it helped me understand some of the ways I was being in my life mm. that weren't healthy. Hmm. And it's it just the little things that I would recognize here and there, you know, and, and I wasn't fully ready to address all of those things. I think what really got me on my journey is when I started doing online business, because I went through my journals and I had had like a sporadic journaling practice. And, uh, so I thought, okay, I'll read through my journals. And I kept going back and seeing on a bucket list that I wanted to start a business hmm. And I kept thinking to myself, well, why am I not starting a business? This is really weird. Like it's on all these bucket lists. I haven't done these things. I've done these other things. What's holding me back? Mm-hmm. And I recognized that I was scared. I was scared of failure. I was scared of judgment. I mm-hmm. uh, we had all these things wrapped up in that one thing. And I thought, well, there's my work. That's what I got to do. I got to start a business. <laughs> and, so then, and so then I was like, All right. And so yoga is actually one of the things that got me thinking in that way. Okay, you're scared of something. Obviously, that's where your work is. Mm. And so that's where I started doing my work. I uh, I thought of the only business I could possibly run while I was a full-time criminal prosecutor, which was something online. And the only thing I had context for was a physical product at the time, which was tea. And so I actually... Had a friend who was a yogi. He designed the packaging. I put up a website. It's called Sicilian Tea Company. I did everything, and I fell into like I I was trying to learn how to have an online business, and I fell into this whole world of Marie Forleo and Amy Porterfield, and like I'm like, who are these women? These women are awesome, mm-hmm. and they're millionaires, mm-hmm. and they're powerful, and they think differently, mm-hmm. and they have this mentality. That I was unfamiliar with, like I had not seen before in the circles that I was in. Right. And I thought to myself, "I'm thinking too small with this tea business. What am I doing here? Uh-huh. So I actually I actually started thinking, like there's got to be a, a even better way to do this where, I can create something and help people because I didn't really feel like tea was really helping people. I thought, yeah, I really like my tea. I I blend really good tea, but I didn't really get that satisfaction of helping shift somebody's life by selling them tea. Right. So I I started learning more and more about self development, and I went to you know Tony Robbins events. I had a personal coach. I did coaching programs. I did you know all kinds of stuff, and I started recognizing that. I wanted to be a coach. In fact, I had a personal coach. I was, I was with him for like a year. And finally, like at the very last one, I was like, you know, I think I want to be a coach. Like you're trying to figure <laughs> out what I want to do in my life. It's like, duh, like I've been waiting for you to tell me this for a year now.
0: Right. <laughs> right. coach's responsibility is to not tell you.
1: Exactly. So. He, he saw it, but I, uh, I needed to come there on my own. Yeah. And so that's, that's the direction that I took. And that's why I started soul roadmap podcast, you know, cause that was a, a place where I could share some of the things that I've learned and also interview people like you, who, you know, have a different perspective on life and maybe people who haven't been exposed to those perspectives. Cause I know I wasn't, I wasn't exposed to these perspectives when I was younger. My perspective was you, the harder you work, the better you're going to live. And I wasn't seeing any, I worked my tail off. I wasn't living better. I had breast cancer. That's not living better. I wasn't feeling right. That's not living better. So clearly working harder was not the way to go. And that's why I started like learning how I could shift my ways of being so that I could have more of what I wanted in my life and really get clear on what I wanted. And, you know, sometimes I still think like, gosh, you know, am I really clear on what I want? Like, do I have, (laughs) and it shifts. That's just the way it is. It's like you want something and you're very clear on it and you work towards that goal. And maybe along the way your goal shifts and that's okay. Like that's the only way I would have come to coaching is if I started before I was ready. Like if I, if I just waited and for everything to be perfect and for it to just sprout in front of me, like, you know, magic, I I would not be here right now. I would be a a very unhappy person. I believe (laughs) So I am, yeah, it it takes work to get there and you have to be willing to just screw up and look stupid, you know, like I I do a lot of Facebook lives and uh, let me tell you like the image issues that I had, you know, doing that like with my tea company, but I knew I was going to do it because Amy Porterfield told me to. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm doing this. Now, Amy Porterfield is great because she talks about her own issues on video. And around the same time, she was really talking about how much, uh, how much difficulty she was coming across, these mental blocks she was coming across when she was doing video. And I said, if this woman can do it, I can do it. So I started doing video and I kept practicing and I would, you know, be horrible. Sometimes I'd be really great sometimes. And I would go back and forth and now I'm at a point where I feel more consistent and my image of myself has shifted too. Cause I don't feel the same way. Like it's not as I, I'm not as horrified by like <laughs> now what I do a video, I feel, I feel good. I also know ways to make myself feel better, you know, like different makeups and lighting and all of that, you know, all of that comes into it. Um, But it takes time. And if if you just like jump in and you just start doing whatever it is you feel like you're called to do in that moment, eventually you will find a path.
0: Just a side note. Well, I guess it's two side notes. Uh, One, if anyone watched any of your lives recently, they would have no idea you weren't comfortable on video, Mm. Um, which I, you know, every once in a while I'm available when you jump on live. So I make sure I come in and say hi. And you just thank you for that. Just absolutely. It feels like so natural. Like you could be talking to one person, you were talking to a thousand people and it seems like you'd be talking the same way. You're just there and you're just showing up and it's great
1: thank you you know and it's funny cuz i'm very comfortable talking to a jury i'm very comfortable talking in front of like a live audience because there's energy there yeah. you know like i can draw from their energy and i can yes. see them and i can make eye contact and mm-hmm. i can get in there and like you know joke around and i can yep. see the response yep. i get none of that i get no feedback online so it's a very different experience
0: yeah i can speak to that very directly myself i'd love i'd love interviewing people I love having these conversations. There's just something about that that is so powerful to me. And um, there are some times when I'm so fired up, it's like, just get me in front of my camera. Like, I'm gonna, I got some stuff to say. Uh, doing these, um, it's May when we're recording this on Mother's Day of all days. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <I> mean, <honestly. laughs> this, this is how, this is how um, full her schedule is. I won't say how busy you are, how full your schedule is. This is the only time we could find to make this work.
1: Well, to be fair, I'm taking like a little over a week off going to Bali. So I feel like, you know, I'm trying to keep some balance here. Good
0: for you. Good for you. So yep. um, anyway, I, I've been uh, going live every weekday. And so I always find that I have something, you know, between a minute and four minutes, you know, stuff to say, and that's that's great, and that that feels really really good, and and some of that's just being present, showing up. What do I want to talk about today, and just talking, I'm just talking about it,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: which feels different from uh, the couple times I've done completely solo podcasts, which you do a lot of. That to me is near not excruciating. That's over egging the pudding but it, it definitely <laughs> um
1: i've never it, heard that before you never not over
0: egged the pudding before No, yeah it's a you know nerdy baker's term but um <laughs> you don't need any more egg in that pudding it's gonna be gross but chill it out chill it out um so uh, you know, in this case, or eating the pudding is the is usually meant for someone being big, and I'm not being big. I'm, but I am exaggerating, certainly. Okay. Uh, that it's not excruciating, but it does not have the ease of having these types of conversations. So that's certainly a way where, you know, I understand my strengths and weaknesses and where I want to grow, and and uh, so it's so interesting again talking about this kind of preparation and practice, and and you're gonna fail. This is the other side note. Um, if you're going to fail, like fail early, fail often. Cause yeah. how many people are watching you right now?
1: Yeah, exactly. And,
0: and, you know, literally or figuratively, how many people are paying attention to are really, truly paying attention to what you're doing. Right. So it doesn't matter whether it's entrepreneurship, um, online business specifically and being seen. Um, it doesn't matter if it's, uh, again, a breath, a breath practice, a yoga practice, whatever else, like Fail like find find ways to fail fail comfortably if you need to fail comfortably fail privately if you need to fail privately, uh, but it's that it's that work that's going to pay off in the end. If you're not willing to fail, then the type of work you're doing is maybe not challenging enough to help you really grow and change and and get what you want. Um, so if you're a failure, is often an indicator that that's the direction to go in. Not always, not always, but often. well, I mean, if
1: you're jumping out of plane without a parachute, yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, think it right. through. Yeah. But, you know, if your fear is, you know, oh, you know, I'm going to get a little uncomfortable and it's going to, it's going to feel weird. You should do it. Yeah.
0: So for you, what do you, what are like the primary tools, the ones that you have found most effective for you in heightening your awareness and putting you in a space where you can choose to fail, etc.? Like what what is what are those been for you?
1: Putting myself in a space where I can choose to fail. Is that what the question is?
0: Well, so it's, it's kind of a two-parter that I unfortunately kind of squished. That was a
1: compound it. question. I know, I
0: hate those. <laughs> it, is, it is a compound question. Um, it, essentially, it's, it's two things, but I think they're deeply related. One is what tools have you found Are most effective for you personally because we can't speak to everyone but the increasing your awareness that's one and then kind of the i'm going to stack you the questions on you anyway so you can flow however you want to flow here and that is that um my perception is that as we begin to increase our awareness we also begin to increase our resilience and that allows to put us in a place where we can choose to fail or choose to put ourselves in a position to fail and so I, that was the compound nature of it. Really. Okay. Really, All right. Well, developing well your awareness. But.
1: let me, let me address the first part. So the, the things that I have recognized, especially in the last few years, because I think in the last few years, I've made the quickest progress mm. in my development. Like no doubt, like there, there's just no doubt in my mind. And the keys were having a personal coach, journaling and meditation. Like, Without a doubt, those are the three things that have helped me move forward in my perception yeah. in a way that I want to move forward in my life. And that's figuring out, you know, how I want to design my life, what I can do to get there. But more importantly, who I need to be in order to do those things.
0: Right.
1: You really have to figure out who you need to be in order to achieve... Obtain whatever word you want to use the the environment that you want in your life So I just I was just reading um, kobe bryant's uh, The mambo mentality. Are you a basketball fan?
0: there was a brief period in middle school and
1: (laughs) I am not a basketball fan Mm. But I heard kobe bryant interviewed on lewis house and I thought okay I I need to pick up this guy's book because he's talking about all the things that you and I teach and uh, he was talking about the same things. It's the meditation. It's the visualization. It's, you know, all the things that bring awareness to you and, you know, being able to visualize what it is you want. I mean, he, he gets into that and he really gets into basketball. So I think I might become a basketball fan. I'm not sure <sighs> find out when I watch a game next time. Anyway, so those are the three things I think have really propelled me in terms of gaining awareness and gaining some clarity. He's really, really figuring things out. Um, and then... In terms of putting myself in a position to fail, there were some major things that I had to learn to change my mind about. And one of them was that failure was failure at all. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I had always thought about not achieving a result on the first time as failure. And that was that. Uh... I had never learned the practice of you are quote unquote, failing in order to learn. Yes, Like I never learned that growing up. It was, you didn't create the result the first time, therefore you can't do it. Or why would I even bother putting my energy into something that I'm not good at right away? That was the mentality I had. And so I had to make a huge shift there. Um, and I think a lot of people face this and, and a lot of it shows up in perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Like people are afraid to put something out in the world because they're like, Oh, you know what? It's not quite right yet. I'm waiting for that moment. I'm waiting for that inspiration. I'm waiting for that. The, the time doesn't feel right. And mm-hmm. I, but you can't do that. You just have to like put it out into the world. And that's what Seth Godin always says. He's another, um, business leader that I follow. He's always like, it's about shipping. It's about getting it out into the world. Right. And I had to learn from all of these online mentors and all of my personal coaches, like put it out in the world, see what happens, right. see what develops of it. Right. I was in a place before I got, you know, into online marketing where that, that's not, what do you, what are you talking about? I can never fail. In fact, as a lawyer, you cannot fail. You cannot fail. (laughs) You know, we always talk about how you learn more from your losses than you do your wins, Mm -hmm. because when you win, you're not really inclined to look back and be able to see where things didn't work. Right. Like you're like, okay, I won off to the next thing. But when you lose, you think back and you're thinking about, okay, well, what are all the things that I could have done in order to achieve the result that I wanted? Reality is, is we should be looking at our wins and our losses in the exact same way. We should be going back and saying, okay, what worked? What didn't work? How can I do better next time? Like That's the reality of how we should be doing
0: things. Mm. But that's not not always how we work. And a big caveat on the word should. If you want to... Have the most rapid, expansive, and positive experience of growth than you po- as you possibly can. Then you quote yeah. should it would be the most <laughs> effective to do it this way. You so can- just
1: do what I tell you. Just do what I tell you. <laughs> do it. It'll be okay.
0: <laughs> yes, obviously. Here is your blueprint. God damn it, get on it. Um, j- <laughs> so it's so funny because that's so the opposite of how we do what we do as but hey y'all just want to take a quick break in the action let you know if you're enjoying what you're listening to please do recommend it to a friend I would very much love to expand my audience and I would love it if you would rate me on iTunes slash the Apple podcast platform because that really helps the show out a lot And if you want to know more about what I'm up to, go check out my new website at www.educate4.life. That's www.educate4.life. Now, back to the show. Um, So I'd love to kind of uh, take a moment to reflect on those tools that you described of coaching journaling and meditation. Simply for those who maybe feel like any of those three things are overwhelming or inherently mean lots of time or, you know, an insane amount of effort, just to kind of contextualize, I think just baseline, I think we could say, yes, of course, it takes some effort. You're changing a habit. You're developing a habit. So yeah, it isn't necessarily easy to meditate every day. But um, what have you found? Well, either... I'm going to stack questions on you again. I'm sorry. Okay. Because I think that this I only
1: let you do this, Ryan.
0: <laughs> well, I feel privileged. Um <laughs> I I'm stacking them because I'm I'm seeing a pattern in those that I talk with about personal development that they see the initial effort as insurmountable. And it's kind of in that same, well, if you fail to do it, then you're a failure or if you fail to do what it's not meant to be. So if you don't meditate uh, seven days a week for uh, half an hour at a time, then on a mountaintop, right? Exactly. Then obviously you're not meditating properly. Right. And not knowing how you're going to answer this question is, is kind of why I'm stacking them, frankly, uh, because I I know that you and I have very similar perspectives, but I want to allow for them to be different. And so Um, The stacked question is the difference between kind of what have you found to be the most effective journaling slash meditating slash coaching approach, right? But the kind of embedded in that is accepting that what's most effective is necessarily the thing you did first or the thing that got you into it successfully. Does so you don't sense? want to like, bias my
1: answers, which is why you're That's exactly anyway. what I'm saying. Okay, that's exactly what
0: I'm saying. Yes.
1: Um, it's, <laughs> I love how, I love how <laughs> I, I feel, yes.
0: we've in these covers. <laughs> absolutely fantastic. This is not how my interviews normally go. I'm absolutely loving it.
1: <laughs> okay. So I'm going to start with, uh, I did not have a consistent meditation practice, journaling practice. I wasn't uh, coaching, getting coached by anyone for a long time. Like that was choppy. So meditation was choppy and journaling was choppy. And then I went through some learning about how to be in the world to get what you want. Hmm. Um, and I think that that was the most effective thing for me is understanding who I needed to be so that I could get the end result. And there were, there were a lot of different tools that I learned and there's things that I teach now in my coaching. One is just like the thought cycle, like recognizing that my thoughts are causing my feelings you know? And so that was one, one big thing is just recognizing that was what was happening and that my feelings were impacting my actions. Like how I felt about journaling was going to impact if I did it or not, yes. you know, it's yes. really interesting. Yes. Um, and another thing that I really like to think about is if for me, visualization is also a big thing for me because I really had to recognize the It's generating, it's actually generating the feelings that you want to have in the future right now. And it was so wonky to me because I'm thinking like, okay, that I really, um, but that's exactly what it is. And that's how I get myself motivated to, to do the the meditation, to do the journaling. And I'm not going to say it was like, Oh, one day I generated those emotions and then I did it every single time. No, it's a constant process. This is not like a one and done thing. I'm, I'm constantly telling, it's building a muscle, right? Exactly. And you know, it's, I've gone through choppy meditation practices, choppy journaling practices. It's not as if I suddenly like just started journaling and that was just like, that was the thing. Well, I recognized and I became very aware of how I felt when I journaled and when I meditated. And I knew that to have those feelings that I wanted the to, mm. to generate what I wanted, I needed to have those in my practice.
0: Right.
1: And if I, you know, feel, let's say I, I like to meditate before I go to bed. Cause just, it's just very easy for me to do that. Um, but if I, it feels weird for me now if I don't just sit up for at least a few minutes to meditate. Like, I don't have to be there for a half hour. It could be just like up to five minutes. You know, maybe I'm having a funky day and I'm just like, okay, look, I just need to we're just going to do this five minutes. All right, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to breathe. And, and maybe that's not the quote unquote best meditation practice I've ever had. I'm not, you know, entering nirvana, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, like, oh, okay. But I'm... I'm getting my head calm after maybe what's been a day, you know, and I'm just, I'm just sitting there and I'm just like taking it in, just breathing. And I, I did a podcast on, um, medita uh, meditation for people who can't meditate. And, um, one of the lawyers that I work with, um, it was an intern had actually said, I listened to that podcast and I didn't know you could just meditate for just three minutes. I said, heck yeah, you can meditate for three minutes.
0: Try 30 that's seconds. That's how I meditate.
1: See, like if that's what you got in you, do that, right. you know, and, and honestly, you, I do like longer meditation practices because they feel really good, yeah. but it, you know, it's just depends on what's going on in my life. Right. right. But I know that when I do it, I feel
0: better. Well, practically speaking, I'll, well, from my experience, how about that? Let's caveat this. From my experience, nothing will improve your meditation practice more than prac than meditating longer. Yeah. So I will say that my experience of meditation changed after staying for uh, three nights at a Zen temple in the North Bay, California. Uh, where we were expected to wake up at 4.45 in the morning. We were half-day we half retreatants, so we weren't the ones who were doing all the things. But we woke up at 445, at 4.45 to the clapping of wood blocks, walking around the compound. And then you, and it's, it's also a beautiful farm, but more on that some other time. And then you walk to the temple. You sit for 50 minutes. You stand and do a walking meditation for 10. You sit back down for another 50 minutes. Then you clean the temple. That's awesome. And then you go have breakfast and then you go do work where whatever work was assigned to you. And then for us, we were done at 11 AM.
1: Was this a silent retreat?
0: Uh, No, this particular one wasn't a silent retreat. This was, um, a green dragon temple, which is also, uh, Oh my gosh, I just forgot the name of the the farm. Oh, that's so sad. It's Green Something Farm, and that's what threw me off. But Green Gulch, I think it is. Green Gulch Farm. This is uh, Muir Beach area, Muir Woods, um, north of San Francisco. And um, so they're just living their temple life, and just outsiders can come and either be full retreatants or half-day retreatants or just guests where you just stay there, but you don't engage in any of the temple life. And, and Aaron and I wanted to engage in temple life. We just weren't prepared to do a, a full day retreat. We wanted to have some time to ourselves and the beautiful nature and, and so on and so forth in that area, be able to walk to the beach and do those things. So we did a, we did half day. And, um, once you've done an experience like that and watched the monks fall asleep because they're humans, and you go, "Well, isn't that interesting? There's not a right or wrong way to do this. What matters is that I showed up. yep and exactly. I showed up for effectively two hours of meditation. I mean of course, when you're meditating, it's silent. you know you know, it's, it's, you're sitting in saw Zen and then you're doing the silent walking meditation, and every once in a while there's a like a a, a mantra type chant that they would do to transition them from. One to the other, which, because we're not initiated we didn't we didn't participate in, we just listened um, and then sat again, so guess what happens to your thirty second meditation when you've done fifty minute meditations it you sink
1: into it quicker
0: so much faster Yeah. like so that's much faster
1: that's what i you know I feel like and I, I don't i don't know maybe you can speak to this, I feel like people who our you know lawyers? Anyone who's driven, you know, to reach a goal, whatever it is, we expect that we're going to be good at something right away, yes. and that we're going to instantly pick it up. And that's not how life is. That's how we were taught, and it's wrong. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I mean, it's like that's not how life is. And it was it was such an eye opener to realize, you know what? No, I don't have to be perfect at everything right away. Because I was very talented at things growing up. I was really smart in some things. Like mm-hmm. I, I was very bright, but then when I wasn't bright at something, then I felt bad about myself. Like I no. felt, Oh, there's something wrong with me. Cause I'm not good at that thing, whatever it was. Right. So, you know, with meditation, it's just, okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you get three minutes in you today. Maybe tomorrow it's five. There's, um, have you ever read Baron Baptiste? He's a yogi. He teaches power, um, vinyasa yoga, but he also teaches, um, it's like the 40 day journey into something. It's, it's a 40, it's basically 40 days where you're practicing, you know, thinking about your feelings and your thoughts. It's, it's a book and you can go through and you can increase your meditation over time. So like the first week you're meditating, maybe five minutes next week, it's like 10, the next week's 15, the next week's 20, something like that. But you're meditating every day. And he says, you know, consistency is more important than length. So if you can't make it to 10 minutes one day, at least meditate for something. If you can't do yoga, you know, for the full hour, at least do some stretches. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, do something that day. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really more important. It's just the consistency, not necessarily, you know, suddenly reaching this point of amazing meditation. Although that is amazing.
0: Yes. And I actually would like to go one step deeper in so far as people think that they have to do something every day in order to build a practice.
1: Yeah. So
0: what's interesting is this, this dance that we all, all humans do when entering the discomfort zone, as it were, What is so powerful about consistency the way I just heard it described, I I have not, I'm not familiar with this particular person, but I am aware of that technique. I've heard of that system before. Um, The showing up every day is equivalent to me of when people start a good habit and then they stop doing the good habit because they feel better, forgetting that the good habit is what helped them feel better. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, I feel better now, right? It's It's like any situation. A similar thing happens when starting a new practice where there's when you sit and you meditate, you feel good and then you go about your day. And then the next day, there's this little part of your brain that says, oh, but if I sit, then I'll get used to sitting. Or it says, oh, but now I have to put an effort to sitting for meditation or oh, whatever else. And all of these excuses and all this information comes up. And but if you maintain the practice, even if, again, it's just for 30 seconds, a, that starts to remove some of the resistance because you showed up for as much or as little as it is. And then two, you remember that it felt so good. And then it builds on itself. And this is why I think it's so important to do micro practice. Oh, I just came up with a name for it. Hmm. Practices. Boom. TM that. <laughs> um, micro practice. This is why I think micro practices are so important. This, this, is, this is a core philosophy for me when it comes to, self-development, personal development, coaching, all of it. Meditating for 30 seconds is extremely powerful because you can do it at any point in the day with no thought of like, oh God, I don't have time to meditate. It literally is no more complicated than taking three deep breaths. And if you do that practice enough, you'll actually find that it turns into one long 30-second in-breath, (laughs) out-breath. And that changes your physiology. It literally changes how your nervous system, you go from sympathetic to parasympathetic. It actually changes in that moment, your chemistry. Yeah. You do it enough.
1: Yeah. And I think that, I mean, this is kind of the realm where I end up teaching because this is what I needed to learn so much. And this is why I teach it to lawyers and other professionals is that, you know, our, our lives are picking up all of these different stressors. And, you know, there's neurotransmitters in our brain that are are like chronically stressed now because we're, you know, have all these phones and everything. Our brain is picking that up as stress. And so stress hormones are released throughout our entire body. So when we meditate or we take a few deep breaths, it counteracts a lot of what's going on in our bodies that's unhealthy. So we can actually start retraining our brain to behave the way that we want it to. Yes. You know, like what we, like the goal is for me and for people that I, I teach is to start thinking differently so that you can retrain your brain. And in my case, I retrain people's brains for more success. Like it's like with less stress, like there are ways to achieve the things that you want in your life without going through this grind or this hustle, you know, and I have to remind myself of that constantly. I mean, it's not as if this is something that, you know, came naturally to me. This is something I've had to learn just like meditation, just like journaling. And it's something I have to remind myself of daily. Like I could, you know, go out and like, I'm very, like, I know exactly what I want. Okay. All right. I'm going to target. I have X, Y, and Z I need to get. And if I'm not reaching that result that I want and the time allotted, then I can get, you know, stressed. Mm-hmm. And so I have to recognize, like, even, yeah. even on doing a simple shopping trip, like, just recognizing that our reptilian brain wants to take over. Our reptilian brain's like, hey, look, stress. Okay, we're going to do what we always did here. This used to be like such a great result, right? Like, this used to feel so good where we were so used to it. But what we're doing is we're retraining our brain to say, no, that's not how I want to do things. That's not how I want to feel. And it's not going to give me the ultimate result that I
0: want in life.
1: Yeah. And that's,
0: it just takes work. It just takes practice. And a critical part of that. So I mentioned this office manager that I had a conversation with this week. Um, she was talking about, you know, how the effect stress had on her. And I said, well, here's, here's the key when you become aware of your stress, the trick is instead of doing the automatic behavior that you've been doing, use the feeling of stress, the literal ramped up feeling of stress as the trigger to do the new practice. Yes. That you are now changing that, that so when you feel that sudden heightened of stress, instead of doing the thing to kind of like feel better that you've been doing, that's your cue right in that moment to go. Right.
1: Cause the feelings, what we become aware of, like we're, we're aware of our feelings before we're ever aware of our thoughts and why they're causing our feelings. Yeah. I mean, you don't even need to know the thought. You could, you know, you have the feeling and you're like, whoa, hey, wait a minute. That's not, that's not the feeling I want. How do I get the feeling I want? Yeah, Take a deep breath. You, you know, do whatever it is
0: that you need to do to get that feeling. Mm -hmm. And, and, and again, it's that reprogramming. So Mm -hmm. now the automatic action you're taking is the one that leads to long lasting feeling good, as opposed to temporarily feeling uh, a kind of false relief from your strain or your stress. Yeah. Next time on Educate for Life with Ryan Francis. I thought it would be cool if we could do something a little practical for people. Okay. So we've been talking about building awareness and we've given, I I feel there's some tools, my perception, that's a better word than feeling. Uh, My perception is that we've floated some good tools and a lot of it is just get started. Any meditation is better than no meditation. Any stretching is better than no stretching, any journaling is better than no journaling, etc, etc, etc. any breath practice is better than no breath practice. Now we are developing our awareness. Now we are in a space where we can begin to more consciously take on this changing of our life. and I love um, hearing you talk about design, like designing your life or you know creating a roadmap. you know again, your podcast is called Soul Roadmap. What are the first steps to designing your roadmap for your life? Hey again, thanks for listening. If you want more goodness, come hang out with me on Instagram at educate4life. That's educate, the number four, underscore, life. I jump on almost every day and go live once per week to answer questions and just talk about what's on my mind. We've got some cool stuff coming down the pipe, so expect some announcements in the near future. And with that, I hope you have a great week. Talk with you soon.